maybe you've hit a ceiling on recognizing what you're capable of. It may be no more than getting a jumper cable to your battery, literally like that, that you admit that one thing and you say, hey, I need help. And somebody else puts on the jumper cable and says, well, remember when you did this before, Ralph? And boom, you're off and running again. And that is a big part of it is asking for help. It's a cliche that men don't ask for directions, right? (laughs) Right. Go deeper. Find your center. Live life to the fullest. This is the Deeper Connections podcast from The Daily Motivator. Welcome to the Deeper Connections podcast from The Daily Motivator, sponsored by Connections University, where you'll find the Experience Excellence audio program, a resource for encouragement, inspiration, and mastery of life's everyday challenges. Visit deeperconnectionspodcast.com and download Experience Excellence today. We were talking in the last episode about fear and uncertainty, and we got through a lot of great material, discussed a lot of strategies for dealing with fear, for dealing with uncertainty, and we had come to the subject of vulnerability and how that life is so uncertain and we are vulnerable to the whim of uncertainty. But the weird thing is, what will make you a lot less vulnerable and a lot better able to manage those vulnerabilities is to admit that you're vulnerable, to admit to being frightened, and to admit to not knowing something, to admit your weaknesses, to admit your mistakes. All those things are an admission of vulnerability. And it, number one, makes us more human, makes it easier to relate to other people, And it opens us up for improvement, wouldn't you say, Kim? Yes, absolutely. There's no way to get around being vulnerable. That's human. It's exactly as you say, admitting it is the way to deal with it. When we act like we're so strong all the time, and we want to be strong, but when we act like we're just strong, there's a couple of things that happen. One If we're the strongest, then it always makes everybody else weaker around us. And I think we're less able to operate in a state of togetherness, which is one of the things that we really need the most right now. Yeah, well, it it kind of creates uh, resentment among other people instead of cooperation. Yes, to say, well, you're so strong, you never have anything go wrong with you. And of course, things are going okay with you, but I'm not like that. And just showing your vulnerability, really, what it does is it opens the door for you, because regardless of what you think, you are going to need other people, you do need other people. And it's a lot more difficult for a person who has only shown their strength all the time to reach out and say, okay, now I need help. Right. Well, and it's a lot more honest. Yeah. It's a lot more authentic. And being honest with yourself and with other people, with with life itself, it's not always easy to do that. It's, It's difficult to admit your weaknesses and to admit that you're afraid. But 
you have to remember we're all vulnerable and pretending that we're not doesn't really accomplish anything. I'd like to hear you talk a little bit about uh, the specific vulnerabilities of men, because obviously, I think it's much more difficult for men to, uh, to express and to share their vulnerabilities, because we live in a culture that says you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I'm not supposed to admit that I'm afraid. I'm supposed to hold my chin up and take action. And that is what I end up doing a lot of times Mm -hmm. at the expense of being honest, really. Right. And when when you are honest, when you could admit that you're afraid, that you're troubled by the uncertainty, you can get a lot of help. And I know that I know that intellectually, but it is very difficult to go against your nature. Mm -hmm. Some of it is your inner nature, some of it has been programmed into you by the culture. But wherever it's coming from, it's difficult to go against it. It feels wrong. Mm -hmm. Even though after you do it, it feels good. It can feel good to admit that you're confused or that you, you don't know something. When you admit you don't know something, that is the beginning of learning it. You have to admit that you don't know in order to learn. And if you're just stubborn and try to pretend that you know everything, you're going to make a big mess of things. Mm -hmm. I think what's interesting, too, is like you're saying, it feels better after you admit it. And I think in light of the idea that men are supposed to be strong all the time and figure everything out, it, it sounds almost like therapy to say, oh, admit that you're, that you're not strong all the time, admit that you're vulnerable. And honestly, that I think we have to get over that, that thought and that idea that you're going into therapy, or you're getting soft, if you admit this and change that dynamic to more of a, a teamwork kind of dynamic, a partnership dynamic, because let's say, I mean, you are strong. You are strong. And being vulnerable and admitting you're vulnerable does not take away your strength. So if you have a moment or a week or a year or whatever it is where you're saying to your wife, your family members, to your closest friends, to your minister, whoever it is, you're saying, I am struggling with this thing right now, or I am unsure about this thought that I'm having or this direction. It may be no more than getting a jumper cable to your battery, literally like that, that you admit that one thing and you say, hey, I need help. And somebody else puts on the jumper cable and says, well, remember when you did this before, Ralph, and boom, you're off and running again. It can be like that. And that is a big part of it is asking for help because it's, you know, it's a cliche that men don't ask for directions, right? Right. (laughs) It's real. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's why it's a cliche. (laughs) But in general, it, it again goes against nature to ask for help. You're supposed to be the rugged individual and figure out how to do it on your own. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm all about that, to be very honest with you. Mm -hmm. But I know that when I do ask for help, it results in good things. 
I have good outcomes when I can learn something new, learn a new approach, get someone else's perspective on something. That works out well for me mm-hmm. in, in most cases. Sure. And so you, you talked about admitting vulnerability takes strength, but it, it is an act of strength to do that. It feels strong when you bring yourself to do that. Mm-hmm. That's true. You feel your strength by by making that admission that you are that you have enough self-esteem, that you have enough confidence in yourself to go ahead and admit that you are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's people with low self-esteem that don't admit their mistakes, that don't admit that they're wrong. And that is a weak position to be in. Yeah. And you don't ever know when that admission of vulnerability or that ask for help can also be the precursor that catapults you into a new level of being, really, because you may meet new people that you didn't have access to before that may help lift you into areas of let's say talents and gifts that you haven't been expressing yet, because maybe you've hit a ceiling on recognizing what you're capable of. And so when you ask for help, sometimes you do need someone else to do something for you. Sometimes you do need someone to help you out of a situation. But other times it could be in your thinking and in your perspective of yourself that you don't realize a capability that you have. And so when you open yourself up and say, hey, I need help with this, and someone steps in to give you that help, that it just opens up this whole new avenue that they can see something about your strength that you don't even know is there yet. Well, and of course, very closely related to all this is asking for help or admitting that you are not the most powerful force in the world. Mm-hmm. is to accepting the existence of some higher power, mm-hmm. something larger than yourself. And that carries a lot of the same dynamics that we're talking about when we're relating our vulnerabilities to other people also comes into play when we are looking at ourselves in terms of the bigger picture, in terms of something beyond ourself, of, some, of surrendering, actually. And of course, what we're talking about there is is the the topic of faith, right? Absolutely. I mean, you cannot, I think when you go through enough hardships in life, there comes a point where, I'm not going to say everybody, but there comes a point when I think probably the majority of people sort of lay down their arms, right? Where they, yeah. where they say, I am no longer capable of managing whatever this is by myself. And there may not be a person to go to. It doesn't necessarily mean you're giving up. Right. Surrender has this connotation of giving up. Mm-hmm. If you're in a fight and you surrender, then you lose. But I yeah. think we're talking about something bigger than that, accepting the fact that you can't do it all. Mm-hmm. There are things that you have to accept about your own existence, about the universe, Mm -hmm. that you can't change ever, ever, no matter how powerful you get to be. And ironically, I think that can make you more powerful 
in the day-to-day details to offload some of that responsibility for the cosmos that you've been carrying. Yeah, that's right. The Atlas responsibility <laughs> that you think you have to save the world. And there, it's great to do good and to, to make a valuable difference in the world. But carrying around the concept that you're here to make everybody better through your sheer will is very tiring, <laughs> exhausting. Yeah, yeah. And it takes a lot of energy away from you that I, I think you can offload by accepting the existence or the concept anyway of something beyond yourself, something that is going to happen no matter what you do. Yeah. And letting that be. I keep seeing this circle in my mind as you're talking that as you let go of that idea that you can carry it all yourself and you lay it down there's this cycle of hope and faith that go together. Uh, There's a verse that I love that says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. So it's a loving act to lay down that burden and to allow that higher, that greater power, that source energy, the cosmos, God, whatever a person wants to call it, giving over to that power that is greater than ourselves individually, then besides, like you were saying, it creates this open space. It creates this uh, ability to relax and to breathe, which then creates hope. It leads to hope. And then hope leads to deeper faith. And then deeper faith leads to greater hope. And so it's just exponential in the way that it opens you to more creativity and to more peace, really, and to Mm ideas that help you cope and deal with stressful and difficult times, help you flow and adapt. Right. I had a a dream at some point in the last, oh, it's been during this time I talked about in the last episode of the multiple traumas that I've been through in the last few years. And this is what's referred to as a lucid dream where you know you're dreaming and you can actually direct and interact with that dream consciously as you're in it. So it was very, very powerful for me. Um, This serpent, a cobra-like snake, just popped up right in my face as close as you can get. And it was terrifying. And I jumped back and it happened two or three times, two or three different nights. So I kept thinking, what is going on with that? And I thought, okay, if that happens again, I'm going to ask it what it wants to tell me. And so I did. I had the dream again. And I said, okay, what are you here to tell me? And the snake then said to me, oh, okay, now we can do something. (laughs) And it moved over and it, it stood like a snake would stand, right? So next to me and showed me a scene and said, look at your fear. This is your fear. And I don't remember what the scene was because it was completely insignificant. It was, you know, just a a scene of me with some people doing something. It, It didn't matter. The point is I said, oh, 
is that what I'm afraid of? And the snake said, exactly. And so it was very powerful for me in that facing the fear and asking the fear, what are you exactly? I was able to find that I was afraid of things that during this time of trauma that were out of my control and being out of your control, further trauma may or may not happen. And it gave me a sense of peace. This is that place, a power much higher than me brought me that level of understanding. And I think the reason I'm able to have those levels of understanding sometimes is because I engage in regular prayer and meditation. I open myself to the help. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, you know, I I won't ever say that, I think that, Each of us has specific strengths, gifts, talents, if you will. So I don't ever want to say, oh, anybody can do this. What I do want to say, though, because that that is something that's been with me since childhood, and sometimes it's stronger than at other times. But what I will say is that I know that prayer and meditation open people, all people up to greater possibilities, greater potential, to greater levels of creativity and imagination that can inform you of things that you wouldn't have any way of knowing otherwise. So I'm a huge proponent of prayer and meditation (laughs) for many, many reasons. So when you bring up prayer and meditation, uh, we're beginning to sound like religion. So is that what you're talking about? I am not talking about religion. And I'm not going to say religion doesn't have a place because it does. But for you and me both, uh, and I know a lot of our beliefs and and our background, which we can go into on on another episode at some time, if people are interested in knowing that. But I think that it's more about your soul, your spirit, and how you want to connect to your life purpose, all those existential questions of why am I here? What am I here to do? What is the meaning of life? All of those things. And I think we can find it in religious texts, and we can find it in writings from people throughout history that help us with examples of their lives and what they've been through. There's a lot of places that we can find it, right? But Ultimately, it really comes down to each of us alone with our own souls to get to know our own selves, because there is no one else who can tell you about your own soul and what your purpose is. So you have to get quiet. And then that larger voice, again, whatever label you want to put on it, it will speak to you in whatever way gets through to you best, but you have to be quiet long enough to hear it and to feel it and experience it. Yes, silence and and stillness, you can you can get a lot out of that because it gives you the time. I mean you can study ancient philosophers and modern day self-help gurus and management experts and everybody who's got an opinion or advice for you. All day long, you can study that stuff and be an expert at it. But you have to integrate all that into your awareness, into your purpose. It is the silence of meditation and prayer that enable you to do that. 
Yes. Opening yourself up to apply everything you know, all your experiences, all your knowledge, to apply that to your life. It's one thing to know what you're supposed to do. It's another thing to be driven by that. Oh, yeah. To have it deeply integrated into every moment that you're living. And silence can do that. I know you talk a lot about being in nature. Mm -hmm. And that's another great way to integrate all that information that's been coming at you into your soul, into yourself, Mm -hmm. is by being in nature and watching the natural world unfold and seeing how everything works together and has its place. That's very valuable. It takes you out of that intellectual level and moves you into levels of consciousness. On the last episode, we were talking about this, um, the levels of consciousness and, and an intellectual level only takes you just so far. I think that when you're talking about getting out in nature, you're putting yourself into a position to get out of that intellectual layer of thought. So for instance, someone can listen to this podcast and mostly they'll be in an intellectual space as they're listening to it. It's it's a relay of information. Right. This is kind of a left-brained exercise that we're doing. Mm-hmm. But what I most want you to hear is that what we're talking about is in the left brain, but we're talking about actually putting this in motion in the right brain. And that would be to take this information and then go out in nature And don't think about it. Just let it be with you because it will do its own work. Your brain is this amazing machine. It will do its own work and your soul and your spirit will digest what it needs and discard the rest. You know, Ralph and I actually created something that can help you with this because prayer and meditation, people can talk about it, but I have plenty of people say to me, I don't know how to do that. And so we don't want to take it for granted that you do know how to do that and make it sound like it's simple. It may be simple for some people and not for others. So we created an audio program called Experience Excellence, which you can have access to just by going to deeperconnectionspodcast.com. You can check it out there and there's a sample of it, but there may be some things there that can help you tap into prayer and meditation if that's something that is challenging for you. Also, something else that's critically important in dealing with fear and uncertainty is, and this relates to faith as well, it's having a strong sense of structure in your life. When your routine is disrupted, if you've never had much of a regular routine, and then what little routine you have gets disrupted, that can become enormously stressful. Yes. It it takes away that structure in your life. When you don't have a strong and dependable structure, you're going to be thrown around a lot by all the stuff that happens, all the random stuff that happens by your emotions, by your fear, by your anxiety, by worrying about every little piece of bad news. Structure gives you a place to put everything. Mm -hmm. That's the literal meaning of the word. 
you think of a house or an apartment where you live as a structure, it's a very important thing in your life where you live, the structure where you live. You feel safer in it, more secure than you would in the outside world. And you know where all your stuff is. If you need something, you know where it is. You put your deodorant in the cabinet in the bathroom, <laughs> and when you need it, it's there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the value of structure. It's ready for you that the next time you need any piece in your life. If there's a book you're reading, you know you'll find it right next to your bed. And all those little things add up. You can just think if you were displaced from your home, suddenly you wouldn't be able to find anything. You wouldn't be able to go through your normal activities of the day. It would be very stressful and confusing, not just because of the big issues, but because of all those little things that add up over time. And I think a lot of people are experiencing that right now because the structure in their lives has been disrupted. Yes. There are many other forms of structure in your life, and they can give you a sense of confidence and dependability. And, and of course, one of the most important ones is the way that you spend your time. A lot of people, myself included, feel that it's it's nice to be able to just do nothing but follow your whims and not have any kind of a routine at all. <laughs> but what happens is living that way can make you feel terribly disconnected. Especially right now, like you're saying, right, right now. Right, when <laughs> there's when a lot of the things that you depend on to give your life structure, like getting in your car and going to work, being at the office, talking with friends, going out to dinner, those things are gone. It can make you feel very disconnected, obviously. And we should probably say right here, in case someone's listening to this episode a year from now, we're in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic. And here in the United States and in other countries, too, people are in lockdown, so to speak, or what are what are they calling it? Sheltered in place, Ralph? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a difficult time for a lot of people. And hopefully, if you're listening to this months from now, maybe you will have forgotten about it. <laughs> yes, let's hope so. <laughs> Probably not, but at least it will be a memory. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, like what you're talking about, that structure, so many people's structure is disrupted right now. Really, everyone's structure is disrupted right now. But, you know, you and I have been self-employed for a long, long time. And there's a certain mindset that goes with being self-employed. And for people who don't have that mindset, they, they're not self-employed for long because you're dealing with uncertainty all the time. Not that you're not in other situations, but the self-employment mindset is such that you have to be self-disciplined. You have to set up your own structures in order to get the work done that you want to get done and to be productive and to get enough rest because self-employed people tend to overwork a lot, to not set real hours and, and take time off. And so a lot of people now finding themselves without their workplace to go to I know that that has to be an incredibly disorienting feeling. And if there's something that I can share about the self-employment mindset that might help, it would be that I used this term a few minutes ago, flow and adapt, that as opposed to a wide berth, 
of flow and adaptation. And that would mean watching the news constantly and watching the stock market. We talked about this a little bit in the last episode and changing everything you're doing based on that. You've got to narrow that alley a little bit and stay focused on what it is that you can actually do today or that you can actually do for this hour. And that's it. And that will help you be productive and it will help you stay focused on what's going to keep you strong and safe and resilient. Yeah, it's good to know what's going on, obviously, but you don't want to be obsessed with it and be have every action you take dictated by all the little developments that happen in the world. I've been self-employed for a very long time. Some of that time I've been working in my home as I am now. Other times I've had an office to go to and there's a big difference even though I only had one employee. It was me and one other person at the office and then for a long time it was just me. Mm -hmm. But there's a big difference between having a different physical location that you go to to do your work because it forces you to structure your time as well and to get all everything done while you're in that space. And then when you come home, that's personal time. Mm -hmm. When you work at home, that all gets disrupted. And so you have to put that discipline in place. You have to put that structure back in place and you have to do it using the clock. You have to say from eight o'clock to five o'clock, that's work time and I'm going to be doing work and I'm not going to be sitting here eating popcorn Mm -hmm. and watching YouTube. And (laughs) then at five o'clock, then that work is over. And then I spend time with my family and working out, doing whatever I do on a personal level. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very important and it's it's very tempting to try to get around that, to try to cheat that, that structure. Mm-hmm. But in the end, the structure gives you confidence. Another thing about being self-employed is there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding that because you have to deal with everything that happens. You wear all hats. <laughs> yeah, I have to wear a lot of hats. And so you could be in the middle of writing a book or whatever and then you get a call from a customer that is urgently demanding something from you, you've got to deal with that. You've got to set aside that creative mood that you were in and you have to get into a different type of activity. And that can be hard. It can be hard to to make those switches again and again. You do have to set aside specific time where, like you're saying, you turn off Facebook, turn off any of the social media and close the door and say, for this time, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going to get done. And just be there in that space with that one activity. And yes, it can be very challenging. And it can also be done by creating a structure mainly like exactly as you're saying. To me, the most important and the most powerful thing that you can do to add to your structure is to start your day with whatever it is that you want to set in motion to get your mindset into the most helpful place for yourself and others. For me, that is prayer and meditation in the morning before anything else happens. And then again, before I go to bed at night so that I have a more restful sleep. And if I could say one thing that is the most powerful tool that I have in my tool belt 
for dealing with stressful times with fear and uncertainty, it would be that. Well, that also brings to mind the whole concept of intention. Yes. And that's a topic for another episode, I suppose. I think it'd be perfect. So this is a great time to remind you to subscribe to the Deeper Connections podcast so you don't miss any of our future episodes. When you need a break, a word of encouragement, a spark of creative juice and inspiration for mastering the challenges of life, work, and relationships. You'll find it in the Experience Excellence audio series from Connections University. You can download it right now through the link at deeperconnectionspodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to the show at deeperconnectionspodcast.com so you'll automatically get the latest episode as soon as it's available. You'll find options for iTunes and other platforms. You'll also find links to the music in this podcast, written and performed by Local Honey. I'm Ralph Marston. And I'm Kimberly Kane. Thanks for taking the journey with us. Be courageous in all of your connections. Go deeper. Your life will be richer for it. This is Deeper Connections. Learn more. Be more. At DeeperConnectionsPodcast.com.